0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, how get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. There was no language. I had no language. I had no comprehension. I had no understanding of what was happening to me. Deep down in my soul, I knew that I was going to never be the same again. You feel dirty. You feel used. You feel that you have been abused. That I could never think of myself as unspoiled. I could never think of myself as being pure ever again.
1: I'm Nicola Tallant, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld, in Ireland and across the globe. Ireland has just ratified the Lanzarote Convention that requires criminalisation of all sexual exploitation and abuse against children. The treaty means... We have agreed to adopt specific legislation and take measures to prevent sexual violence, protect child victims and prosecute perpetrators. It's been welcomed by child protection agencies and comes as Europol issue warnings about a rise in online child abuse during COVID-19. But what do these measures mean for the survivors of child sex abuse? Today, I'm talking to Father Brian Darcy, who was first abused at the age of nine and who's been an outspoken critic of the church for their handling of paedophile priests. He tells me how he struggles to deal with the demons of his past more than six decades on. And he says that while it's important for the state to ratify the convention, its support can't be just a box ticking exercise. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. As regards that commitment from the state to fighting, um, you know, the threat of sex abuse on children, how important is that for victims? Well, of course, it's, it's life and death uh, for
0: victims, mainly. You know, I, I think it's hugely important um, uh, for uh, victims that they that they have a European protection. Uh, I also think that you know there there are people who um, uh, involved in in some forms of paedophilia and other forms of abuse of younger people. Um, they'll always find a way of getting round, no matter what you have. Um, and um, I would really want to see it um, carried out to the letter of the law for a start. But secondly, I would like governments and uh, countries to share information they have, because that's where the big thing is, you know, to share the information, rather than this, we we'll say, Ireland having to go and look for some guy that's involved in this, or girl that's involved in this, um, and that every country would share what they have in a central in a central uh, database. And I think that would be a huge thing. Secondly, I think that they would also um, you know, um, be able to share who are the children that are being uh, used and abused in child pornography. And who will ever find out who those children are, where they are now, how can we help them to try and live a different, a, a, a reasonable life after what has been done to them by adults who should have known better? Because the child themselves may not know it at, at that particular stage of their life that they have been abused. They mightn't even have the word abuse. I don't know in my own case uh, when I was nine year old um, and, and abused by uh, a Christian brother. I did, If somebody had said, were you ever abused by a brother? I would have thought that would have meant, did you ever get a couple of leather strappings from a brother? That's what I would have thought. There was no language. I had no language. I had no comprehension. I had no understanding of what was happening to me. All I knew was that deep down in my soul, I knew that I was going to never be the same again. That I could never Think of myself as unspoiled. I could never think of myself as being pure ever again. Later I got the language to understand that I was abused by that person. Um, and 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 but you know, you feel so you feel um, uh, violated is the wrong word because that's almost a word that you understand. Um that's the language somebody who hasn't been abused uses, that you are violated. Uh, but for the for the uh, uh, victim or survivor, whichever pr- language you prefer, for the victim or survivor, it's a different thing. That's not what you feel. You just feel that you feel dirty. You feel used. You feel that you have been abused uh, in the sense of that your freedom has been abused. Your enjoyment of sexuality can never be the same again. Ever. That doesn't mean you can't have enjoyment of sexuality. But you, but you can't have the freedom of that. Uh, and always you think that you are being abused anyway. And that that's what your role in life is to be. I was later abused when I was 18 years of age. Um, when you'd think I would have had sense to know. But if I'd, have known, if I'd have known the language of what happened to me when I was nine, I wouldn't have been allowed it to happen to me when I was 18. And it's that learning experience. Now, I learned fairly quickly at 18 that this is wrong and that I have to take control of this and that I have to say no and that I can say no, even though the priest who abused me at 18 said that if I said no, he would ensure that it would never be ordained a priest. And you, that's the sort of threat. But at least I had the sort of that. Here's how foolish it is. Um, <clears throat> a year after that 18 abuse, my mother died young and quite suddenly. And for years, I carried the guilt that it was my being abused was the cause of her death. And can you explain why you felt that way? Well, you just felt that I had done something wrong that deserved punishment. And I know that my mother at that time, we used to go to bed at 10 o'clock as students. And we used to get up then at 10 to 2 in the morning. And we used to be gathered in the place of prayer uh, for two o'clock until three o'clock you know and I've discovered later from my sister's after my mother died that my mother would waken at two o'clock in the morning when she was alive and say her prayers for an hour because she knew I was praying for an hour it, it, was that, it was that you know she she didn't want me to be a priest my father didn't want me to be a priest Uh, but they felt that, you know, that was how she was able to be mother to me by, at that time, when uh, doing this penitential prayer at two o'clock in the morning, she would do it with me. Um, uh, And so it's it's that connection that, you know, because uh, I then had let her down by being abused. And it was all sinfulness and crime, not crime, didn't see it as crime at all. If I had, it would have been wonderful. It was just me cooperating in a sin. And I was going to university just about, heading for... I was starting off university at that time. Started off university when I was 18. I was quite worldly wise. I was a young fellow who had been involved in dances. I'd been a county footballer for my place. I had been a really part of society um, uh, and helping out in every possible way. I wasn't a sheltered guy. I'd been going to dances since I was 14, Do you know what I mean? And and I had many friends who were in the band business, even at that stage, who had gone to school with me. So I wasn't a sheltered kid. But I had no... Because of what happened to me at nine, I had no comprehension of what healthy sexuality was. When we talk about conventions and things like that, somebody needs to talk about the child in that picture that everybody has forgotten. And everybody's happy when a criminal is when Yes, when a criminal is convicted because of that. But what good does that do the child? It should happen, of course. But conventions that deal with criminals and don't protect children are not useless, but they're not really helpful to the victims.
1: Well, I do think that they are... They are taking on board the victims and trying to comprehend exactly what you've spoken about, which is, you know, how a victim feels and how they go through life, you know, what effects it has on them going through life. Because, I mean, you're in your 70s now, Brian. I don't think I'm telling any secrets with that. So... Well, I'm
0: 70 Fahrenheit, but uh, I'm quite less when you do it in Celsius.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, you could have. But you're you're 60 odd years away from that, that awful time when you were a child and you were abused by a Christian brother. And yet, clearly that experience and what you felt at the time and later feeling the guilt, the shared guilt of it, has stayed with you throughout all those years. Like, is time a healer at all for a victim of, of child sex abuse? Uh, yes, it, yes, it,
0: yes, it is. Uh, it is a healer in this sense, you see. At the beginning of it, you're saying to yourself, um, I can't, I, I'm just, I don't deserve anything. Uh, so you put yourself down and, and you become a, a doormat in life until you realise that you have a right to your own dignity. And when you have a right to your own dignity, you can claim it and you can claim your own right position in life um, and you can claim, you know, you can, you can deal with it as, and you can also say, no, I did nothing wrong. So, so you, you learn to live your own life scarred as you are by something that somebody did to you, but you have to leave it behind you and claim your own life and not be a victim all your life. That's why we like to be called survivors rather than victims.
1: And when does that change? When does that sense change? I mean, obviously it's different for everybody. Some people will start relationships as adults and maybe have children and, you know, that'll be a trigger for addressing what happened and, you know, considering it. Um, Other people, you know, will turn to alcoholism and maybe have a crisis there and come out of it and they'll deal with what happened to them through counselling or whatever. Some people will never deal with it at all, I take it. Um, for you, was it was it part of your work that led you to start rethinking the situation or what? I, it, it was to
0: a great degree, um, you know, uh, coming across other people. I remember one turning point was... Um, when I was a priest, I came across an incestuous family, uh, uh, which was extremely difficult to to work with. Uh, and I, I went to look for help for them. It was nearly impossible to get it. You know, I, I went to the Guardian of the time, um, and, and, and they told me that, you know, that's a family matter, we don't get involved in it. You know, uh, I didn't take that as an answer. Now, another person that hadn't been abused might well have taken that as an answer you know, uh, not understanding the big difficulty that it was but I I didn't take that for an answer and I I, I went to a politician I didn't divulge the name, um, but I asked him could he recommend some um a proper place in within the social services department that that I could get the proper advice as to what to do and we did and 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 uh, the children were taken out of that home and saved uh, you know and, and and saved from further abuse and so uh, that that sort of thing re- you then realize that 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 this thing shouldn't happen and it can be Helped, and then so that starts you thinking about your own life. Really, uh, it, I suppose. Really, what also happened was that people I lived with, and certainly people I spoke with, uh, in this, in both uh, in authorities, polit- political authorities, and most of all in in ecclesiastical authorities, kept thinking that uh, child sex abuse on behalf of priests, clerical sex abuse was a sin. They talked about it as a sin. And of course, in Catholic theology, sin can be forgiven. That was the biggest difficulty. I had to fight very strongly to explain that this is not a sin that can be forgiven, you know, and that that's the end of it. You know, the person is a criminal. And I remember having real serious arguments with my own order to say, that this is a criminal who must be handed over to the criminal authorities. The temptation was to treat it as a sin, get him get him treatment for what he did and give him forgiveness for what he did so that he could start saying Mass, etc. again. And it was regarded as some by a sin and some as a serious sin. And it, could, it really had a huge job fighting other clergy, to understand that this was a crime. Uh, And not only was it a crime, the person must be stopped from perpetuating that crime, among others. And that part of that, that the the, the victim or survivor, has got to be compensated so that they can have the proper counselling, so that they can have a life again. And that went on, it took me a decade to get that through to people. And, you
1: know, there's some in the job uh, that I'm not sure they still understand that. And they are they still in positions of power? Is the culture not changed? I, it,
0: they have. There's a great difficulty, and this is what I have about your Lanzarote Convention, uh, and that is what people agree to in theory may not impinge on them in their inner life and decisions. And that's why I keep saying, even to this day, the Catholic Church has exceptional safeguarding practices in action. But if it's only a box-ticking exercise, it's never going to be anything more than a box-ticking exercise. Without the subsequent surrounding insights, you will allow or uh, enable uh, an abuser to get through box-ticking exercises. They always do. It's a mindset change. It's a value change. It's an absolute understanding of the beauty of sexuality and how damaging it is to to rob any human being of ever enjoying that beauty again. A convention is a start. Safeguarding exercises are a start. But if you think that's it, looked after, uh, it's not. It's, it's a box-ticking exercise <clears throat> will always end up wrong or easily abridged. People will always make excuses for a person, an adult who abuses a child. People will always make excuses for sexual harassment. People will always make excuses for domestic violence. It's the difference that a change of attitude, culture, values are needed before there's a, a, a modicum of, of protection for victims of all of those.
1: Well, the Lanzarote Convention is requiring the criminalisation of all kinds of sex, sex offences against children. And it's, it's wanting sort of to recognise that the threats to children are part of a cultural change that is happening at the moment and has been happening since last March during the pandemic that the threat is is really growing online and Europol um, released some figures recently to show that since the COVID began as such that the level of reports of online sex abuses have increased by 106% which is kind of shocking and frightening and you're saying basically we haven't really embraced the cultural change enough in in ordinary society and yet now we have this, you know, freight train coming at us, which is the the increase in this online activity. You have children who are being educated at home in a lot of countries, not our own yet, thankfully, but in, in, in a lot of countries they're online unsupervised for hours. There is a huge move of criminals of all sorts online as well. And clearly um pedophiles and those who want to make money from 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 child sex abuse are, are there in their droves now. And it's quite worrying. And I think that um, I think as a country to have at least signed up to this, it, it's a it's good it will require changes in legislation to criminalize all aspects of sex offenses against children which i think has to be a good thing and it also seeks to 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 urge all the countries to kind of maybe run ad campaigns for example to let children know what their rights are where they can go for help because that is something that maybe in the past in the church in particular that wasn't there at all they never could go to anybody to seek help in your own situation you were silenced because you were threatened and that threat was very real to you as somebody who was hoping to enter the priesthood and you were being told that would be taken away from you. So it's those threats, I think, that empower abusers. And, you know, maybe there is some places that some some children can go for help and they we need to tell them where they are. Absolutely,
0: and it's, 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 it's certainly infinitely better than it used to be, uh, even even a decade ago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the... I, I write, wrote about clerical sex abuse in 1985 in the Sunday Now, nobody would believe it. But then society
1: has changed incredibly since that. And Brian, yourself, do you think... Does a day go by that you don't think about what happened to you? You know, I'm sure it's very, very hard when you start thinking about that, even now, even today. Yes, it
0: is always hard, it's, it's in the front of my mind anyway. Because I was doing a television program uh, for future broadcast last week, uh, which dealt with that in, in some detail, um, and and so you, 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 it's in the front of your mind. And that day, now after a day talking about it, I really did need to get counselling again. I, I knew that. Most days I'm 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 grand. I can do it, man. And most days, no, I wouldn't think about it. But, you know, uh, it's very difficult for me to get a day not to think about it for the simple reason that there's hardly a day goes by that I don't get a letter or an email or a correspondence from somebody who has been abused and have never revealed it. And um, I suppose they kind of think that I will understand it, you know, at the, at, when I've, Finish here. I, I I will you know go to a safeguarding officer uh, about a, um, an historical case. It's, not, it's an historical case because the offender is dead, but the person he abused is very much alive, and is is shocked and disappointed to discover that this man is dead, because they will never be able to get any sort of um, feeling of re- uh, of recompense uh, for what has happened to them. Now, the person that is dealing with that is almost 70 years of age and has never revealed it before. But a chance thing I had said in one of the columns was the click that allowed the person to come forward again. So it's very hard to get away from it, you know, because nearly everything you do... Either sparks something off in yourself, or sparks something off in somebody else who decides to write to me to spark something else in me. So it's it's difficult to do it, but you can, It is possible. You can have a life, and I, I want to make that point very clear. You can have a good life. You can, I'm sure, have a loving relationship uh, in it, and many do. I know that for a fact. You can learn to live with it better, but you you can never regain the innocence and the purity. Uh, of your own childhood sexuality
1: you said there you you know when you were you were doing some filming work there recently in relation to this matter you needed counseling after it which is obviously something that a lot of survivors of of sex abuse really heavily rely on counseling and counselors and do you do you get overwhelmed with feelings of anger and do you need help with that or what sort of things brings you to counselling still so many years later.
0: Well, it's only it, you, you You begin to know yourself. It's like an alcoholic knows um, that the word halt is very important. H-A-L-T. Never get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired. An alcoholic knows that. Uh, and, and anyone who's on the edge knows it too. You have to have a certain care of yourself. When you recognise that there may be more in this than you can handle, at a busy time of the year, you you, you phone up somebody who has been a counsellor to you, and you have a twenty-minute chat, and you debrief yourself, and you put yourself back in action again. It's a precaution more than anything. It's just a. It's just like um, uh, you know anything else. No, know yourself and know how how and most of all know where your weaknesses might be so that they don't uh, take over your life and that's the point you know you can it's it's um, when i can live with abuse it's fine but when abuse takes over my
1: life it's not fine and do you mean that you think too much about it you're con- you know it's constantly in your head or that you you're you're tired fighting the the, the feelings or you're you're getting angry. Which of those things? Now, anger is not is not
0: part of it now at all with me. Uh, anger is not part of it at all. Sadness is. Uh, uh, and sadness that it happened, sadness that um, the, the, the brother died uh, with not, without any um, acknowledgement of it at all. Um, the strange thing was that when I wrote about it in my first m- memoir, Several guys, maybe more, maybe, maybe 20 guys, I'd say, were able to say, I knew who you were talking about there because the same thing happened to me. But nobody ever said it. Nobody ever said it out loud to that. That did make me a little angry because if they had, somebody had shouted out loud earlier on, he wouldn't have had the high position that he had in society. And, and therefore, others might have been saved. Now, you're saying, why didn't you shout? I shouted as early as I was able. Uh, and that's it. Uh, and so that's, that's the way I don't really feel it. The, 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 the second person who abused me, um, I was superior when he died and I had to do his funeral. And thankfully, I was able to do it and point out good points that he had to his family, you know. Because his his family never knew what happened. They never knew what had happened to you, or or to or to or to others as well. And you know they were elderly and wouldn't have been able to take it and so forth. So it wasn't my place to denigrate him and his family's life at that stage.
1: It seems to be still very caught up in secrets, even when you know we're moving forward and a lot of this kind of thing is happening on the internet and stuff it's still all full of secrets it's all secret meetings rendezvous after somebody has been groomed online and again i think it's important for all of that to be recognized as a criminal offense because each step of the way is a crime each step of the way is a criminal offense there's no question about that you know
0: the intention to abuse and the and the activities to set that up, person to carry out, set up a person to carry out that abuse.
1: That is as criminal as the abuse. And as a survivor, and there's so many survivors out there, is it of any value to you that the state has made a commitment? Perhaps it may be just on paper, and, you know, I would like to hope it, it will be more than that. And what you spoke about earlier. Europol, the European police force are pushing to be able to deal directly with private companies, not to have to sort of go through bureaucratic tape in each country themselves. All of this is making the investigation of these crimes hopefully easier for policing forces. Um, But as a survivor of it, does it mean anything to you that that the state is kind of, the state is there recognising this and maybe hopefully... Oh, it is. First of all, it's been talked about, which is a big
0: thing. Secondly, the more it's talked about, the less secretive it is. Um, thirdly, um, uh, uh, at least a person has a right uh, to say, you're not doing your work properly if they don't do it properly. Um, all of those things are exceptionally good. All of them are. Um, but um, you know, this is a particular crime uh, that abusers are... It's a power struggle as well as everything else. Um, And people, there are, no matter where you are, some people always have power over other people. And once you have that, you have the danger of the power becoming abusive in many senses and often sexually abusive. Um, So uh, I don't think we can, as long as human nature is around, I don't think we can ever obliterate it entirely. But I think what we can do uh, is ensure uh, that a victim is listened to. Uh, the other thing to ensure is that those who make false claims are punished just as hard as the people who who uh, 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 were criminal made the criminal offences of abuse. Because when somebody makes a false claim of abuse and destroys a person, then it makes it more difficult for the state to actually pursue real criminals in that uh, that mind. And though a false claim is a terrible thing and a horrible injustice to those who are actually abused.
1: And finally, Brian, there's a, a recent Vatican report there out into a Theodore McCarrick abuser. I think you, you know about this situation. He's, no, he's 90 years of, of age now. And um, is it good or bad that we're still looking at this? We're still, this report is out. Obviously, the information in it is hugely critical again of the way the church handled it. He was a fundraiser. He was a man who brought in a load of money into the church and into the Vatican and a a, a blind eye was turned to him. But nonetheless, as you said earlier, we're talking about this. He's 90. He appears to have behaved a bit like a mafia Don, in his day, but he may not, like your abusers, go to their grave without having to face what he did.
0: Well, he has had to face it so far because, first of all, he's been a disgrace as a cardinal. Secondly, he has been uh, silenced as a priest. And then Francis actually went further and removed the priesthood from him, laicised him, which is, at 90 years of age, a a severe punishment to a man who uh, was a careerist. Um, I, I you know and was able to to do it as a careerist um and and so uh, um there's all sorts of rows and investigations and everything going into it but you know everybody's afraid to admit that he fooled them the fact is you shouldn't be afraid to admit that he fooled you uh, you should be highlighting the fact that these guys will fool everybody including popes which they did uh you know um and, and particularly John Paul II um who who is a canonized saint, and yet when you read the report into the McCarrick Affair, you would have to say he had a terrible weakness about condemning other clergy. And I think that I think it was a false sense of charity that he didn't condemn a colleague. And that's what we call the clerical club. And the clerical club is you don't let down your fellow clerics. I suppose it was the worst thing I had to face in life after the abuse was the utter, utter isolation um, that was given to me by fellow priests because I had spoken against the evil of abuse in the church, um, famously on the uh, on the Late Late Show with Cardinal Daly, uh, who was a friend of mine, and and and, and we were good on friendly both before and after that incident, but... Um, You know, as a result of speaking up against what was happening in the church on that occasion, there were dioceses I was not allowed to do weddings or funerals in, or say mass, because of that. And that's the cleric club uh, punishing what they see as disloyalty to the cleric club, which of course it is. But it's loyalty to the gospel, which is what we all should be about.
1: And there's lessons for us all from all of that, both inside and outside the clerical world, that I suppose the, one of the real culprits in all of this in child sexual abuse is the culture of silence. And maybe if we all open our minds to the idea that it can happen.
0: You, you look at the BBC with Savile, you know, for example, uh, you, you see it there. A, you, you You look at journalists and fellow journalists who have gone to prison and were able to keep acting for a long time. You know, uh, you, you you look at teachers. You look at you know. It's, it's not just a clerical thing. This, there. Are, I I was pointing out the clerical club because it's, that's what was affecting me as a cleric. But you know, you you try and you try anywhere in a football club or anywhere else to point out an abuser, and um, and you will be you, you you will be lucky to survive in that club.
1: Brian happy Christmas season to you whatever it will it will bring this year between drive-in confessions and um, you know you're back online now again I imagine with your saying mass yes so look 2021 is going to be um, an interesting year and, and hopefully a more positive one as it, as it goes on I hope so um, happy Christmas happy Christmas